Lloyd with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. It's towards Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go live from Los Angeles. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. It is episode 32. Again, for all the latest news, info, analysis, lifestyle, merch, everything, go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. Again, all the latest will be there, guys. Be sure to give us a follow. And if you want to be a fan of this podcast, all you have to do is very simple, right? If you got an Apple or Android device, you can subscribe to this show, all right? You can either tell Siri to play your newest podcast, play a specific episode of the podcast, or if you want to share it, right? You can even ask Siri what podcast that's currently playing if you're listening to a preview of it. So in any way that you want to be able to support the show, you can. We would love if you would like to become a patron of the show. We are also taking donations and we will receive your input for whatever you choose to donate to us and, and really kind of become a supporter, a patron, if you will, of Give and Go and of Girls Soccer Network. So again, thank you guys for all the love and support. We love you guys. We could not do this without you. First, order of business, a word from our sponsor, World Strides Excel. Education and personal growth have been at the heart of World Strides' mission since 1967. Their experiential soccer travel is crafted not just for the player, but the person, because growth happens not only on the field, but off it as well. Whatever kind of level or style you or your team play, we're excited to be sponsored by a company that gives players another aspect to the ultimate away game, World Stride Sports. We've partnered with World Strides to bring you some amazing bespoke trips with plenty of soccer and exciting off-the-field fun with friends. Trips available at the moment are to Sao Paulo, Brazil for ages 15 to 17 and Paris, France for ages 13 to 15. If you want to learn more about World Stride Sports and the amazing soccer adventures you could be going on, go to our website, www.girlssoccernetwork.com, and click on the link Soccer Nomad, or you could go to www.worldstrides.com. Again, it is an incredibly exciting partnership to have between ourselves, Girls Soccer Network, and World Strides. Both have tremendous things coming, and it's exciting to kind of usher in a new era of being able to go on a trip like what could be better seriously what could be better than you and your favorite teammates favorite people right that was what it was for me being able to play with my teammates being able to go to tournaments in the same state that was a fun experience to be able to travel with your teammates so imagine being able to go abroad to a whole nother country to be able to play that would be an experience unlike anything else so 
I'm certainly jealous, and I think if you would like to get in on this action, be sure to, again, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com or www.worldstrides.com. All right, so we have a lot to discuss, as we always do. We start with the U.S. Women's National Team. The She Believes Cup is right around the corner. We have a little bit of a different roster here from Vladko Andonovsky. Obviously, he turns some heads, inviting players like Jordan DiBiase into the side, the initial 26-player roster. It has now been cut down to 23. And when you look at it overall, it is fairly similar. A large chunk of who is on this squad was there for the Olympic qualification tournament that just wrapped up, which, of course, the United States won. You look at who is new, it, it would be Tierna Davidson, who is, again, coming off of that injury and I think is still trying to get back to full strength. You have Casey Short incredibly exciting for her to get this opportunity because she could eventually be starting on either wing I think right or left for the United States women's national team of course Andy Sullivan getting an opportunity along with the big four of Julie Ertz, Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan and Sam Mewis and up top Obviously, the biggest of all surprises is Mallory Pugh because we understand what she's kind of been going through trying to get back to the form when she first burst onto the scene. If she can really kind of get back to what she once was and and just really, you know, sometimes we all go through these phases where, you know, anyone can be talented. Anyone can be really, really good, but the great ones are able to do it consistently and you have to find ways to do that and, and and that's what makes sports and life in general so hard because there are so many different variables and, and so many different factors that get in the way of our success and our progress. It should only be a matter of time before Mallory Pugh gets back into the swing of things and we could debate all day about whether Jill Ellis's decision to try and convert her to a midfielder and experiment with that if that kind of had an impact. I would like to think that it could have, but again, I don't know the situation. I'm not involved with the team. I can only make assumptions based off of what I'm seeing on the pitch. And based on what I saw, it definitely seemed like moving her to a position where you're not necessarily playing to her strengths. I'm not saying that she's not talented and she's not versatile enough to play in the middle of the pitch. But based on her skill set and what she does best, we know she should be on the wing. She is a terror. She is a terror on the wing. Like, there was a time where I'm sure defenders were afraid, like straight up afraid to see her one-on-one. You do not want to be one-on-one with Mallory Pugh ever, ever, period, bottom line. So it's going to be exciting to see if she does see the field during the She Believes Cup. Uh, Again, what's great about this competition, even though it is a friendly competition, is you get to see them against three of the best teams in the world. This field might not be as competitive as what we've had in the past. A little surprising to see that England will be the first team that they will play in the tournament. So it pretty much is the tournament right there up for grabs, I would think. Whoever wins that game is going to put themselves in the best possible position to win the tournament. It could be a draw. But when you look at England's roster, it's clear that Phil Neville has decided to go, you know, with the World Cup being over, he's gone in a little bit of a different direction, not necessarily in terms of the players that you're used to seeing, right? You're used to seeing a Rachel Daly, a Lucy Bronze, of course, a Steph Houghton, who is the, who is the captain, Ellen White. We know what those players can do. But to see the youth movement come into this team, 
Bethany England is on fire. Bethany England is going to be a handful for the U.S. Women's National Team. Of course, we know what Nikita Paris can do as well. But Jordan Nobbs is having a phenomenal season for Arsenal. Georgia Stanway is one of the best young players out there. To see Grace Fisk, that's a big deal, was a star defender at the University of South Carolina. Of course, it made total sense for her to go back to play in the Premier League for West Ham United rather than to choose to play in America here in the NWSL. So, of course, England have another strong side. And anytime those two teams play, you can tell, like, it's slowly becoming a rivalry. Like, it's becoming something that is more than just a game, going all the way back to last year's She Believes Cup or, or two years ago, whenever it was, when England celebrated after winning and almost kind of mocking the USA's I believe that we will win chant. So there is definitely a little bit of animosity. There is something there. I don't necessarily know that the U.S. women's national team doesn't like England, but England definitely does not like the U.S. women's national team. They don't like them. <laughs> and so there's certainly some issues. And of course, they're, you know, they're going to be looking for revenge after what happened at the World Cup, you know, with the Americans getting the job done. So that will be an exciting part of this tournament, the first matchup. Then, of course, you have two matches against Japan and Spain. Japan, we know, also went with the youth movement going into the World Cup, went with a completely new roster of players. All of their players play in Japan except for one or two. Saki Kumagai is one of their best. You know what Japan can do simply because of how well disciplined they are in terms of their tactics, how they play as a team. Because, again, like I said, all of their players play in the Japanese League. And while we have had some international players go there to see what it's like, do we necessarily consider the Japanese league to be one of the best in the world? Not necessarily. So the fact that they're able to come together consistently and be one of the best teams in the world truly speaks to the the culture and just the overall structure that they have in place. Like, it has not wavered. They haven't deviated much. Regardless of who the players are, they stick to their philosophies. And it generally tends to work when you have one common goal, one set vision from top to bottom throughout the federation. You look at Spain. Spain have been giving teams a lot of trouble. Their women's team is a little different from their men's team. They might not be as tiki-taka. They are a little more direct in terms of their play. Aitana Bonmati was someone who I believe we spoke with ahead of the World Cup. We had some audio with her. And then we also have Jennifer Hermoso. Two of the better players... Out there for Spain, Hermoso is the Italian woman for this team. She is expected to do all of the work, unfortunately. And for Spain, I think they're going to have the toughest time in this tournament because of what England, Japan, and the United States can do tactically. Spain have proven that they are no slouch, don't get me wrong, but you're looking at Spain as the team that has the potential to, to finish last in this group, which, which would be unfortunate, but... I think you're looking at three really interesting matchups for the U.S. Women's National Team. And, and of course, we'll have previews and recaps coming within the next couple days because it is coming. We have officially entered March. The tournament is starting soon. So, again, keep your eyes peeled on GirlsSoccerNetwork.com for more content on that. One final thing to touch on regarding the U.S. Women's National Team in between the last episode and this one it's pretty crazy to finally see the U.S. men's national team step up and finally admit you know, that there has been some type of pay issue and that it's almost laughable and embarrassing 
that the U.S. Soccer Federation has not done anything about it. Based upon the different CBAs, the collective bargaining agreements between the two sides, the men compared this 2017 to 2021 deal, the equivalent of what the men had to deal with from 2011 to, I believe, 2018-2019. So when you look at that, the fact that they were willing to admit that and go there, that's pretty, that's a big, big deal. That's pretty crazy that we've, I don't know what took them so long, to be quite honest with you, because the women have been asking for help for a very, very long time. But to see this letter, to see this level of support was a very, very big deal. Again, a step in the right direction. We need more of it, obviously. But the fact that they acknowledged it is the first step because there are so many guys out there who still refuse to accept that the women should be getting paid the same, and those people are not necessarily worth our time if, if that's how they're going to feel. But with that being said, again, another step in the right direction for the men's national team moving forward, showing their support for the women. Okay, we shift gears to the NWSL. A couple major pieces of news. Becky Sauerbrunn is in all likelihood headed to Portland. A bit of a shocking deal considering it took some convincing to get Becky Sauerbrunn to stay in Utah once Kansas City folded. She could have gone anywhere. She could have gone to Portland likely back then. But again, Becky is such a loyal player, like a consummate, consummate professional, knows exactly what she's playing for. And it's going to be sad to see her leave Utah because she is obviously the best player on the team. Right. I mean, we can almost assume maybe not necessarily the last year or two because of injuries and because she wasn't on the field. But in terms of what she is, what she represents and what she can do, she's arguably one of the best in the world. And there's no doubting that. So for her to be going to Portland for what is in all likelihood going to be money and an allocated player. Now, there's no word on who that allocated player will be. It might be Emily Menges, which it would have to be someone of that caliber because they're not getting a Federation player in return. So why would you be giving up Becky Sauerbrunn if you're not going to get back enough in return? That's really the key thing here for Utah, that they get enough for giving up such a key piece. With that being said, though, Laura Harvey's gone. You have a new head coach in Craig Harrington. So I think this whole ushering in of a new era, you have Ziara King up top to go with a couple other offensive stars like Kristen Press, Amy Rodriguez. Utah could be looking to go in a completely different direction and look to change their identity here. And with that would be the departure of Becky Sauerbrunn because they were so defensive-minded. And while they were a 500-team or above, while they were doing so incredibly well, as a new organization, it's looking like they may be looking to go in a different direction, which will be interesting if they do want to make the playoffs. The fourth spot, again, will in all likelihood be up for grabs with the Courage, Red Stars, and Thorns likely taking those top three spots. Portland continues to bolster their roster and stockpile picks You know, with what they've been able to do getting Sophia Smith and Morgan Weaver with those first couple picks, they were able to kind of work on their offense. And now you have a type of defender that is capable of stopping the courage or leading a defense that is capable of stopping the North Carolina courage, especially with courage players now having gone to play in the W League. Will their legs, will they be fatigued? All of those are valid questions to consider going into this season for 2020. So 
Becky Sauerbrunn in all likelihood is headed to the Thorns. A huge get, a potential shift of power in the league. So we will have to see how this whole situation plays out. Again, nothing is official. The deal could totally fizzle out because, again, it seems like it's just an agreement between two sides. Might not be anything formally in paper. So, again, expect more news on that within the coming days. The other huge piece of news, Lisa Baird is the new NWSL commissioner. And when we looked at the fact that it took the league this long to find the right candidate, I think they have done an amazing job at truly finding someone who is the perfect candidate, someone who can take this league to a whole other level. And when you look at her resume... I mean, it is of the highest quality, and it is so important that we have a woman leading the league as the commissioner, as the face of the league. It is so critical that it is her. You're looking at the former chief marketing officer of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, so she's already worked with U.S. soccer before. She most recently was the chief marketing officer for WWNYC Radio, which features NPR and some of the highest quality radio in the nation. WNYC Radio is no joke, people. All right, as a as a fellow podcaster, as an avid NPR listener, I'm telling you, this is a big, big deal. And not only that, she was the former vice president of marketing for the NFL. Whatever your thoughts are in the NFL, for whatever reasons, the bottom line is like for all of the negative PR and things that they get. I'm sure like whatever Lisa Baird has worked on in terms of being able to spin information and spin knowledge is critical because the NFL are the masters at that. They are incredible at being able to take whatever negative PR that is in the spotlight and spin it in a totally different direction and almost make you forget about what has occurred. So for Lisa Baird to be getting this job is a big, big deal for the NWSL and we really really hope that she is the one to take the NWSL to the next level because we're we're getting there slowly but surely we are getting there day by day it is a process but by making these types of hires it only shows that the league cares about going to the next level and i believe that will happen under Lisa Baird as long as she sticks around and and understands and is fully committed to this. And I think she is because she talked about how rigorous the interview process was, how difficult it was to get through. So this definitely seems like it could be a home run hire for the NWSL and hopefully it works out and we wish her the best as we start and get ready for the 2020 NWSL season. Okay, so it is interview time. We were very, very fortunate to get the opportunity to speak with who I think is one of the more underrated players out there right now. Jamia Fields, currently playing for the Houston Dash, was with the Western New York Flash, was with the Orlando Pride, spent some time in Norway as well before coming back to play in Houston. It looks like she's going to get plenty of opportunities right now in Houston considering the trades that they have made, the way that things are opening up. And so we got the opportunity to speak with her not only about her opportunities coming up with the Houston Dash, but overall just her as a person, why she's so into fashion, because we know what she does following her on social media, seeing what she's about, into the fashion, and of course into Black History Month as well. Obviously that just wrapped up, 
and she was featured on Uninterrupted's Instagram account, which is an Instagram account run by LeBron James and Mav Carter. So it was a really great experience for her. And again, without further ado, enjoy the interview, guys, with Jamia Fields of the Houston Dash. Here it is. Jamia, recently, you know, it's, it's Black History Month. You were a featured athlete on Uninterrupted's Instagram account. Tell us what that experience was like and what Black History Month overall means to you. It was such an amazing experience to be featured on Uninterrupted. It's such an amazing platform that gives a voice to many athletes, and I love the concept of more than an athlete, because yes, sport is what brings us all together, but each athlete has various qualities outside of sport and stories that make us special. But Black History Month to me means a lot. I was usually one of the few African-Americans on my team from when I started playing when I was five till even the pro level now, and there's just some challenges that come with that, especially when I was younger and I would look around and I wouldn't see many, you know, little girls who look like me. But I love Black History Month because it gives us an opportunity to celebrate these African-American black leaders, such as Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman, Jackie Robinson, who paved the way, and it gives us the opportunity to highlight them, as well as current leaders, such as the Obamas, Oprah Winfrey, Kobe Bryant, Serena Williams, and the list goes on. We know you as a national champion, professional in the NWSL, but you also have spent time in Norway. How was playing there helping you grow both on and off the pitch? I love playing in Europe. Definitely there were a lot of challenges there as far as different culture, language, right? Um, being far from home and, you know, very, very cold. I <laughs> grew up in California and uh, went to Florida State, so it was definitely a different weather change. But, yeah, I had to adapt quickly um, to the different changes and make the most of my experience. And I feel like usually when I'm in the uncomfortable situations, I... I grow more whether I whether I like it or not. Um, and I got to play in Champions League, actually. So we got to go play Lyon. We got to go to Croatia for two weeks, um, as well as I got to do a little traveling to Germany and Iceland. So I didn't imagine going to that many places in 2018, but it was a great experience. And what about that experience? Were you able to bring back with you when you came back to play in the NWSL? Well, for me, just being able to still perform, still play when you couldn't control, you know, couldn't control uh, what was around you. So for for me in Norway, it was a lot of different changes. Obviously, the weather big one, huge one. And um, I mean, you, you play no matter what there with the weather. And um, so that was a huge challenge. But just going over there, it, like pretty sudden. Right, I wasn't really expecting to go there to Europe in 2018. So being able to, like I said before, to go there and adapt allowed me to come when I came back to the U.S. Anything that was thrown at me, I was able to, you know, handle with ease. I would say. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2019, last year, you were a non-roster invitee before joining Houston, and you had to come back and really earn that spot, even though you'd made almost 40 appearances in the league. Did you feel slighted, and how motivated were you to get back and show everyone what you could do? I was definitely motivated. Um, you know, I mean, you would think, you know, coming back, you would, you would think that either you get a contract or 
uh, right away or something like that and having, like you said, close to 40 appearances. But, no, I think I'm thankful for that, actually looking back on it. Um, it definitely made me have to dig deep and really being able to perform when there's a lot of pressure, being able to come into creepies and, like, basically with the odds against me, I think has molded me into a mentally tough player. Obviously, those are, you know, challenges that I don't wish I was going through when it when it was happening, but I love challenges, and I've been able to conquer many of them in my career so far, and of course, having a chip on my shoulder along the way, so yeah. That's really great. How would you say this past season with the Houston Dash was, and how are you preparing and getting ready for the 2020 season? Um, the past season, I would say was a success in my eyes. I feel like when you have a lot of challenges, you kind of have to redefine what success is. Um, I believe that a lot of people, or just the world in general, they think that success is just one thing, whether it's in the field of business or anything. So I just think that, you know, redefining what success is for you is how you can build off of it and become a better player and person. So for me, I thought I had a successful season. I came back and got a contract. Um, got some starts in there. I had a, a lingering hamstring injury that I was able to come overcome. But overall, I just got back in the pool of the NWSL, right? I had got to come back and compete against, you know, girls I had played in the past. And um, I finished the season healthy, strong, and fit going into offseason, which was weird because usually I feel generally unfit going into offseason after um, playing a whole season. It doesn't make sense, but that's just how it happens. Mm-hmm. And so I, now I just feel honestly the best I've ever felt. And so I can't wait for the 2020 season. Awesome. So do you have any kind of like individual kind of career goals that you have set that you want to try and meet coming into this year? Um, an individual goal for me would just to perform at the highest level that I can. I would love to make an impact on, you know, Houston and really any team I play for. I want to put, make a, make an impact not only on the field, but being able to inspire my teammates as well. Um, and make the connection with my teammates. I think that's huge because professional sports is such a business and I feel like making those connections with your teammates is also important. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things you've been working on, as you mentioned, in order to become the best player that you can possibly be? Well, this offseason, I actually got a Peloton, so I've been doing a lot <laughs> of cycling. It, it's been so fun. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize I was going to love it this much and um, I've been reading a lot about cycling as well, and it, it just it works on the fast fast twitch muscles, and you build a lot of muscle endurance, and so that's been awesome to be able to balance that. I mean, to like alternate with running and cycling. I've been doing a lot of yoga, but on the soccer side, things a lot of technical training and finishing in front of the goal, which I do feel comfortable playing multiple positions, but I always want to make sure I stay sharp in front of the goal, and I've been focusing a lot on that this offseason that I have in the past. Um, but, yeah, and also I'm just huge on mental, uh, the mental toughness, the mental side of, game, of the game. And so just reading a lot of books to prepare me for just obstacles if they come, which they always do, um, just as an athlete in general or just life. So not only preparing uh, physically but mentally as well. Mm-hmm. 
So how would you say the NWSL is from when you first came into the league to when you recently came back last year? When I first came into the league, obviously it was faster than college. Um, you know, I had, when I was on Western New York Flash, we had a lot of young young players. Then I went to Orlando where, you know, there's Alex Morgan, Marta, a lot of great players um, who, you know, um, are some of the best players in the world. So, yeah, coming into the league, the, the, the league was faster than college, but coming back after 2019, I would say it's either even faster than then and way more competitive, I feel like. And I know the NWSL is the best, most competitive women's league in the world, and I feel like it's only going to get better and stronger. For sure. Now, for those who follow you on social media, they'll be able to, to back this up. You're one of the more stylish and fashionable players in the league, no doubt. Where does that passion for fashion come from, and what about it draws you to it? Well, I've always loved fashion. Um, it was something that came easy for me, sort of like a hobby. I didn't really realize for like a while that other people liked my style as well. Um, but then I started to get a lot of messages on social media and a lot of compliments and friends, family, but also strangers. So I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I'll pursue and I, I love it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to continue to pursue that in the future. And is that something you could potentially see yourself pursuing once your career's over? Yes, definitely. I yeah, I, I love I love it and I just realized there's like a need for it. I feel like some people I'm surprised will ask me like to help them out with their wardrobe or wardrobe or help them with their closet and I'm just like, Okay, like I didn't realize there was a need for this and mm-hmm. so maybe I I mean, no, definitely I would want to pursue that after. Great. And Last question, uh, what's your advice to all the young girls out there listening when it comes to chasing their dreams with soccer? I would tell them that this has been huge for me lately. Obstacles are good. A lot of, I just feel like the world tells you that obstacles, you know, aren't, you know, and they'll knock you down and et cetera. I just say obstacles show that you are chasing the right dreams. Um, don't let them detour you from your goals and your aspirations. And for me, my journey has been different um, than a lot of my other teammates or who I've played against. And I used to like not think that that was cool, but now I take pride in that my journey is different and that doesn't look like everyone else's. So my advice to someone else, um, to the young girls, is if your journey does not look like you know your teammates, just keep going, keep working hard because everything will fall into place the way it's supposed to for you. Again, that is Jamia Fields of the Houston Dash. And it's crazy to me how when you have specific coaches in this league and in this environment who have been around for so long and you kind of have preconceived notions or you have certain viewpoints on a particular player that stop you from giving them an opportunity. And I feel like with someone like Jamia Fields who has been in the league for so long, she should be getting the benefit of the doubt over a player who might be proving themselves and who has never seen the NWSL field at all. You know, the pedigree is there, the opportunity to, to produce and perform is there. As I mentioned earlier, one of the more underrated players out there with an opportunity to make a big impact in 2020. So be sure to keep an eye on Jameer Fields for the Houston Dash. In other major news surrounding women's soccer, the Continental Cup 
the FA Continental Cup over in England, Chelsea versus Arsenal, two teams that are duking it out to not only win this cup in particular on this day, but also the Premier League title. Chelsea are firmly in the driver's seat, but they won their first ever Continental Cup title by defeating Arsenal. Bethany England's late winner in the 91st minute, as dramatic as it gets. Sam Kerr did all the hard work. How she has that level of stamina and commitment and effort is is beyond me to be able to do that. But she essentially created the opportunity. Bethany England does what every striker is taught to do, whatever they're supposed to do, which is run to the back post. When that ball is on the wing, you always sprint to the back post because whether the cross is coming in, whether there's a deflection, whether everyone in the box misses that cross and you're on the end of it, right, or there's a mistake, you always, always follow up. And that's exactly what happened. Left unmarked on the back post. It was her second goal of the match. Leah Williamson of Arsenal equalized it late off of a a second chance off of a set piece in the 85th minute. So it looked like the game was headed for extra time, but for Chelsea to win it that late, special, special day in front of a raucous crowd. Those are the types of matches that we need, these types of instant classics to be able to grow the game in ways that we never thought was possible, right? All eyes on a big match between two big clubs, Chelsea and Arsenal, and it lived up to the hype. It really was a special event for the women's game when you have a cup competition like this with the whole world watching. So again, a great moment for Chelsea, their first ever Continental Cup title, and you have to think about Sam Kerr and how right the entire reason for her going to Chelsea was to win trophies. Yes, she's getting paid more. Yes, she's in a better situation, not only financially, but in terms of being able to better her development as a soccer player based on the resources offered. In terms of everything, there's already, there you go, your first title, cup title, and one of the many trophies that Chelsea will be expected to win since adding Sam Kerr. Before we end the show, we have a very special soundbite with Amanda Ferranti. She is the director and founder of Ferranti Empowerment, where she has firmly established herself as a certified mental performance consultant for youth athletes, teams, and coaches. So she is really great at being able to get into the minds of athletes and being able to help them through the most difficult times as an athlete because we all go through the mental aspect of things. We talk about soccer, we talk about sports being physical. You have to be physically gifted, you have to be athletic. But so much of it isn't just that. There's a mental aspect to it too that is so, so important. So again, Amanda Ferranti has a quick little bite here about what to do if you're struggling with controlling your anger and how you deal with an emotion like embarrassment. Take a listen, guys. So anger is a distraction. It's going to get in the way of your game. And when you're feeling anger, we can come up with a strategy, a plan to overcome it. That strategy and plan will always include breathing and calming yourself down. It will include accepting the fact that whatever happened, happened. So if you made a mistake, that's it. It's over. You made a mistake and you can't control it. And then we need to face it with affirmations because you're probably not feeling good about yourself at that moment. So affirmations include remembering who you are as a player. Remember your top three character traits. And I have my players identify those character traits ahead of time so that they can call upon them when they need it. Also remember what you've done well. 
So think of a specific memory from your past, maybe similar to the mistake you made in that moment, and remind yourself you are capable because you have done it well in the past. From there, set a goal because I'm sure you're angry for a reason, right? You, you made a mistake. Set a goal so that you can prevent making that mistake in the future, and that's your aim, but then take action because it's not enough just to set a goal. You're gonna have to come up with the specific strategies and action plans that you need to do in order to accomplish it. And by the end of this emotional management routine, most of my clients feel optimistic, determined, a little more confident. So now we've taken the anger and we've navigated our way through back to positive emotions. For embarrassment, if you are feeling embarrassed, just remember, this is a temporary feeling. It doesn't define who you are as a person. And if you take the, the positive steps of remembering your character traits, remembering what you've done well, you're gonna find yourself back on top again. What is so amazing about what Amanda Ferranti just said there is what she said doesn't just apply to sports. It is a microcosm of our lives. Everything that she said about reminding yourself about the kind of player you are, taking a deep breath and reminding yourself of everything that you've done, okay, as a player, that doesn't just apply to being a player. That applies to your life and who you are as a person, right? So being able to deal with anger, embarrassment, especially for some of these listeners out there who are in all likelihood still in school having to deal with embarrassing moments and having to deal with taking that in stride. Because again, school is school and, and you're kind of in your own world, in your own environment that's kind of blocked out from the rest of the world. So it might seem like it is the end of the world when you feel anger or you get embarrassed. But listen to the words of Amanda Ferranti, people. She knows what she's doing. She's worked with the best of the very best and just doing the little things like taking a deep breath, calming yourself down. It's so difficult to have the self-awareness to be able to remind yourself because you're in the moment, right? You're, you're so focused and invested in the moment of what you're currently doing. It's so difficult to be self-aware and take a step back and appreciate everything that you have done and achieved. It is very difficult. But if you can work yourself work on your mind, work on those pressure points when you do feel anger and you realize that you can control it. Your possibilities are endless, guys. I'm telling you, if you can get it under control, all it means is you will not only become a better soccer player, but you will become a better person at life. And that's what this whole thing is about. We can do a lot of talk about soccer, but the mental aspect of life is critical as well. Okay, that is it for episode 32 of Give and Go. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. As always, we love and appreciate all of the support that you guys have given us throughout this entire journey. It means the world. And Again, become a patron if you would like of our podcast. We'll be putting out a donations link. And feel free to provide as much input as you possibly can. Again, we are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Pretty much almost anywhere where you can get a podcast to download. Again, search Give and Go Girls Soccer Network. Again, check us out on girlsoccernetwork.com on Instagram at girlsoccernetwork and on Twitter at girlsoccernet. We have all the latest, the greatest, the best content for you to listen to, guys. So again, thank you so, so much for tuning in. It is Rotas Madera signing off. Hope you enjoyed this one, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks.